It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia. David Stern has taken his seat in the throne as king of the New York Mets. It was good to finally see it happen, only because the rumors of David Stearns, the talk of David Stearns, have been going on for so long. So for there to be a press conference, a 30-minute, 35-minute discussion, in which he really said nothing, if we're being honest, but he was at least there. You know, there was at least a conversation. It became official that he's the president of the New York Mets. was at least good to see. So we'll talk about what we learned from David today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening, uh, what we kind of, I guess, gained from his meeting with the media for about a half hour and what we want to see happen next. This is going to be a very long month, I warn you, because while the MLB playoffs are going on, there may be some rumors, there may be some rumblings about what David Stearns may do. But really, the next few weeks is going to be about him learning this organization more thoroughly and nothing happening because during the MLB playoffs, there's a freeze. So last year, after the Mets got eliminated in that wild card series, it was tough to watch the playoffs and it was long waiting for free agency, especially with some of the big guys that were available and some of the big decisions that the Mets had to make. This is going to be an even longer wait, an even longer wait for the end of the World Series, and then the offseason really, really begins. Um, I'll give you a couple of thoughts, the takeaways that I have hours after this press conference, because without writing anything down, I did write things down, but without writing things down, I think sometimes the best determination of what you took away from a press conference is nine hours later or 12 hours later, if someone asked, hey, what did you take out of it? What jumps out at you? And I have two things that jump out at me right off the top. Number one, Pete Alonso. That, that is clearly going to be our biggest worry slash focus during this offseason. And we have no idea what David Stearns wants to do. None. So when David was asked about Pete Alonso, all ears, and especially my ears, were on, okay, what is he going to say? And really what he said was nothing. <laughs> if you think about it, he did not commit to Pete being here long-term, nor could he, because it is a negotiation. The Mets, if they want to bring Pete back, and I certainly hope that they do, they've got to negotiate a long-term contract. So to come out at this press conference and say, look, Mets fans, trust me, Pete's going to be back, does you no good in terms of negotiating. He also didn't go the other way and say, yeah, Pete's all right, but whatever, overrated, problem in the clubhouse, we're going to get rid of him. 220, first base, not acceptable. We could easily replace him. So instead, David acknowledged, yeah, we take everything into account. Being a lifelong Met, we take it into account. Hitting 40 home runs a year, we take it into account. And he said, and I think this was the exact quote, I expect Pete to be the opening day first baseman next year for the New York Mets. Here's the way I would view that, what I would take out of that. If the Mets want Pete back, if their goal is to bring him back, and there isn't like this malicious thought of, well, eh, we could easily replace him, or he's bad in the clubhouse. If they wanted to rid themselves of Pete Alonso, and they know deep down, you know what, we're not giving this guy the money. We're not willing to give him what it's going to take to keep him, not just based on what he's asking for, but based on what he's going to get. Then you trade him during this offseason. 
if this is all about a contract, and I tend to think it is, it's a negotiation. Steve Cohen, David Stearns, we'll learn about him. But Steve's a businessman. And he'll want to bring Pete back, I think, but he's going to want to do it in the right deal. So if this is a negotiation, if this is all about we'll bring him back at the right price and the right amount of years, then you hold on to him. And this can be something that goes in the next offseason, which is not ideal. We call it the Aaron Judge. But that means they want him back and they're having a stare down. If they don't want him back, you trade him during the offseason. Period. You rip the Band-Aid off and you move on. So if you take David Stearns at his word, I expect Pete to be the opening day first baseman next year, then you would take it as they prefer to have him back. They understand the value of him, but this is a negotiation. And if Pete's going to insist on a contract that Steve Cohen is not comfortable with, or in this case now David Stearns is not comfortable with, they will continue to stare him down. We learn the risk of that with what happened with Aaron Judge. Ultimately, as much as I don't want to deal with that, and I don't think most Met fans want to deal with that kind of stare down, if it means he's coming back, if it means they get something done, even if we have to sweat it out, Aaron Judge style, whatever. It'll suck. It won't be fun for the next two years, but he'll be back. So what did I learn from what David Stern said about Pete? Absolutely nothing. But that was his answer. I expect Pete to be the opening day first baseman next year. The other thing I took out of it, I remember hours later, is what he said about a manager. Because I think a lot of times here on the Rico, certainly on WFAN, we go nuts about bullpen management. We go nuts about lineup decisions. I think that was the biggest criticism we all had about Buck in 2023. The handling of Daniel Vogelback. The handling of Mark Vientos decisions with this lineup and decisions with the bullpen. And those things are big. I don't want to act like they don't matter at all. But certainly over the last few years, the managerial position has been more about managing and managing people and personalities. And so David Stearns was asked specifically what he looks for in a major league manager. And he didn't say a damn thing about bullpen management. He didn't say anything about X's and O's, if you will. He said managing people, managing personalities, having a good culture, and having players enjoy coming to work. From afar, it seemed like Buck did that well. You know, the the only criticism one could have at Showalter for his handling of the locker room is if you believe the locker room was a problem. You know, if if you believe, and I got to tell you, from the reporting of Mike Puma and the reporting of The Athletic, there really isn't anything there that makes me think, wow, the locker room was a big issue. Now, if there's new reporting, if there's more that comes out with the season now over, sure, okay, m- maybe there was something. But I, I'm only reacting to what's out there right now. What I've heard right now is still nothing compelling enough to say, boy, that locker room was an issue. But that comes down to the manager, at least according to David Stearns. And I don't think he's wrong. And the other thing is, I don't necessarily think that's just a new school philosophy. And I'll give you an example of a guy that fits managing people, managing personalities, having the right culture, people, for the most part, enjoying coming to work. When you think about Joe Torre's managerial job with the Yankees during the dynasty era, and it's easy to say, well, 
He had a lot of talent. He didn't have to do anything. No, he did have to do something. He had to manage people. He had to manage egos. He had to manage personalities. And that's where I thought Joe Torre was great. Was he great handling a bullpen? Paul Quantrill would say, no, not really. You know? So I, I don't think that that's necessarily that different from 20, 30 years ago. But it does feel like there's less of an emphasis on what you're doing day to day in terms of a lineup construction, in terms of bullpen usage. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, yeah, the front office is more hands-on. No question about it. So did he give us any information on who he's looking for in the manager of the team? Not really. He said it's a wide net. It could be a first-time manager. It may be a veteran manager. I happen to really think that the likeliest scenario is Craig Council. I do. I think there's more evidence than no evidence that this is going down the road of David Stearns hiring a guy he's very familiar with and a guy who happens to be available and a guy who happens to be basically openly flirting with other jobs. He said the other day, I'm not going to, you know, I forget the exact quote, actually, but I'm not going to shy away from interested teams. Well, the Mets are going to be an interested team. So we'll spend a lot of time on the managerial search because I don't think it's something that's going to end necessarily in a few weeks. I would guess they're going to hire a manager before the end of the World Series, or at least it'll come out that they're going to hire a manager before the end of the World Series. The reports will certainly be there. And depending on how far the Brewers go, whether it's an exit in a couple of days or it's an exit in a couple of weeks, I ultimately think he's going to be the guy, if I had to guess right now. But he certainly didn't give an indication in terms of what he prefers. So those are the two things that jumped out at me. Now, when I go back and look at what I wrote down from listening to David Stearns, here are the things that I remind I was reminded of. So it clearly didn't jump out at me. It's just things that, oh yeah, he said that. He talked about sneaking into the ballpark in 1998. I find that very hard to believe. <laughs> I'm not questioning his Met fandom. He is a Met fan. I'm sure he's a Met fan. I believe he's a Met fan. I believe he grew up loving this team. I just remember 1998. In 1998, I was 15 years old. And security was too good in 1998. You know, you want to tell me this happened in 1977? I'd say, fine. The hell do I know? I wasn't there. But the idea that he was sneaking in in 1998, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that. He did also claim, and someone's got to fact check this, he was at Mike Piazza's first game as a New York Met that Saturday afternoon against the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers of all teams, the irony. I don't know if it's true, but I'll believe it. I'll go with it. Nah, I believe he's a Met fan. And I like that. I do. I like the fact that he gets it. At least I'm assuming he gets it. And he's not only a Met fan, he's a young Met fan. He's a Met fan of my age. Depending on how old you guys are, gals are listening. He's a post-86 kid. Not that he was born after 86, but that he doesn't remember 86. His youth was the mid-90s, the late 90s. That was my youth. And for guys and gals like us, not that we're special, we're certainly not, we don't remember a championship. So David Stearns can say, I'm trying to win a title for New York City or for the Met fan base for the first time since 1986. But he's really saying, I'm trying to win a championship for the first time ever for Met fans who are of my age. What does that ultimately mean? It's just fun to hear.
That's all it is. It's it's nice to hear that the guy who's running your team in a weird way is relatable to the fans. But I think where he's going to have to prove that is this was the, is with this Alonzo thing. Because the Pete Alonzo contract trade non-trade and handling is going to be his first real test even if we don't get the answer for another year. Because if he is a Met fan and he grew up in the late 90s and he was at Piazza's debut He also understands, maybe the way others don't, that having a guy spend his entire career with this team and potentially going to the Hall of Fame with this team matters. Is it the end-all, be-all? Not the end-all, be-all, but it matters. The other thing he said is he expects the team to be competitive in 2024, but he doesn't want, in trying to pursue that, it impacting our competitiveness in the future. What does that mean? I take it as we have a lot of prospects. We're building up our farm system. We want to win in 2024. We're not going to take away from that to try to win in the short term. It doesn't mean you can't trade prospects because I think where prospect deals can be made is trading some of your position player prospects for pitching prospects, kind of even out the farm system a little bit. But it doesn't sound like necessarily. And I'll give you a hypothetical based on that comment that the Mets are going to trade Luis Angel Acuna. And I'm just using him as a prospect because they added him in the Scherzer deal. That they're not going to trade young top 100 prospects for, let's say, Shane Bieber. For a pitcher that certainly can help them in the short term, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. Does that mean they're out on a guy like Juan Soto? They wouldn't trade three elite level prospects for one year of Soto before he becomes a free agent. By the way, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Like, here's how I would view the trade market going into this offseason. I'd be willing to make deals, but I don't want to do it for one year rentals who I could sign at the end of next year anyway. I want to improve next year's roster, but I want to do it, and I guess I agree with David Stearns, without it hurting my prospect hall. Like, I'm not ready to do that. So Juan Soto is a tremendous player. Shane Bieber, though he was hurt this year, is a very nice player. Am I willing to trade prospects for essentially one year? I probably wouldn't. So again, if you take David Stearns at his word, he's not going to be very interested in doing that. The media tried to ask about the finances and how much Steve is willing to spend and how much David Stearns is willing to spend. We all want to know the answer. We weren't getting it, though. We weren't getting it. And while David has a really good resume, he doesn't have a resume. You know, I guess re-signing Christian Yelich after trading for him. But he doesn't have the big market spending resume. Now, hopefully he's going to build one because the hope is Steve Cohen is going to continue to spend, especially this offseason. My hope going into this offseason from Stearns and from Cohen is that they're going to spend on pitching that they will buy free agents starting pitching a little differently than the way they did it over the last few years with Scherzer and Verlander, and they're going to continue to develop this farm system. And I'd sign for that. And by the way, that's being competitive in 2024 without hurting your future. But outside of that, what did we learn from David Stearns? Not much. (laughs) He's excited to be here. He is the team president. 
Billy Epler has officially become irrelevant, which you knew. He's with the organization. You'll basically never hear his name again. You will not hear about it again. Let me take some of your emails about Stearns and the firing of Buck Showalter. B at gmail.com. I remind you, a lot of off-season pods on the way, including one that will be posted uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Your playoff rooting guide, if you will. The rooting guide to the postseason as a Met fan. Yes, they will have been one day of Major League Baseball postseason, but that will not take away from the guy. That's coming up this week as well. And we'll have our exit interview on the 2023 Met season coming up this weekend. So there's a lot to get to. Let's start off with Jim Finley. Jim writes, Evan, big listener of the show. We all agree on a lot, but not this. But not this. Ooh, I like a little disagreement. I was lucky enough to be at the press conference yesterday when Buck announced he would not be back. One of my friends won an auction and invited me. How cool is that, by the way? (laughs) And think about the press conference you got to. Jim writes, it sounds like Buck was forced out. The thing that bothers me is David Stearns didn't even meet him before deciding on replacing him. That's not right. Yes, he had a year left. Yes, he was a lame duck manager. He was manager of the year last year. Big injuries this year were not his fault. The whole team underperformed. I would have given him the year if he makes it to the playoffs or deeper, extend them. If not, replace him. I understand new baseball ops probably wants a new manager, but at least sit and meet with him first. This is a really good point by Jim. And this is something I would have pushed David Stearns on. So Steve Cohen immediately addressed the timing of the buck firing. And the way he addressed it was, well, Major League Baseball really wants to have a blackout during the postseason. They don't want us breaking news. We're firing this manager. We're hiring this guy. So Steve's explanation was, from a timing perspective, we announced the removal of Buck on Sunday. We introduced David Stearns on Monday because after that, we really can't do anything. I don't have a problem, and I don't think Jim had a problem with the timing of it. The question Jim asks, and it's a really good one, is why wouldn't David Stearns, even if in his mind he's already decided, I want to move on from Buck, why wouldn't he talk to him? And I think that's a great question. Now, David Stearns technically, and this was his answer, couldn't talk to Buck until Monday. So I guess the pivot is, well, if Stearns can't talk to him Monday and he wants to remove Buck, is it really fair to remove Buck on Monday plus announce David Stearns on Monday? I think we're getting into semantics on this. If David Stearns, who's a Harvard guy, is an open-minded guy and has this respect for Buck, like he said at the press conference, and he even claimed he's trying to reach out to Buck to have a conversation with him now. Well, the conversation with him now is what? I fired your ass, but I respect you? And I'm not saying that David Stern should have kept him, but here's what Jim is saying, and I think it makes a lot of sense. David Stearns calls Buck and basically says, why should I keep you? I'm going to give you an opportunity to keep your job. Convince me. Now, that may be a little condescending, and maybe Buck wouldn't like that. Here's this 38-year-old guy asking me to dance for him. But why not have a conversation before you decide he can't be my manager? If you have respect for Buck and you believe Buck's a great baseball guy and you're appreciative of what he did for the Mets, It's a great point. Speak to the man. 
even if it's 97% likely, you're not going to hire him. And that's something Stern should be pushed on. Why wouldn't you even talk to him? Like, why wouldn't you even have a conversation with him? Sure, you, you may lean towards bringing in your own guy, and we all understand that, I think, for the most part. But you fired him without talking to him. You fired him without ever having a conversation with him. And I think that's a great point by Jim. Does it mean they should have kept him? No, because I still think it was going to be the right decision to move on. But it's a little weird to hear about how David Stearns never conversed with him, never spoke to him. Like he basically said to Steve, yeah, get rid of him. Yeah, Billy, tell him he's gone. Meanwhile, I respect the guy, but, you know, I've never talked to him, never had a conversation with him. So now he even said on Monday at the press conference, I reached out to Buck. I hope to connect with him. What are you going to talk about? How you fired him? Appreciate the email, Jim. Junior writes, Evan Pete, big fan of the show. Uh, I want to ask you guys two questions. Would a guy like Alex Cora work in New York? He won a championship in Boston, but I wonder if Boston would let him go. My other question is, do you think whoever the manager is will keep Jeremy Hefner? So David Stearns' answer was he's going to leave that up to the new manager. It seemed like the Mets have really liked Jeremy Hefner. It's why he was able to last a couple of, a couple of administrations. I really do think that one's on the fence. I think it is going to come down to not only what does David Stearns think about him, but if he is bringing in a Craig Council or if it's somebody else, their relationship with Jeremy Hefner, if they even have one, or if they have somebody else in mind. So I, I, it's impossible to answer it right now. I know there are some coaches who are free agents right now. Joey Cora could just leave. But for guys who are under contract, um, I think a lot of it's going to depend on who the manager is. As far as Alex Cora is concerned, I got a call about this, Evan and Tiki, on our Monday show with somebody saying, hey, what do you think of Alex Cora? And it'd be great. Like I, that's fantastic. I didn't have him on my list because I didn't think of him as realistically being available. And his contract status is that the Red Sox have a team option on him, which they plan on picking up. There were actually rumors uh, a couple days ago that the Red Sox were considering, if he was interested, moving up and running the franchise because they are looking for a new team president, general manager. Core is not that interested in that. He wants to remain manager. I don't see why the Red Sox would move on from him. Despite the flux in the organization, despite the lack of success they've had the last couple of years, he's a championship-winning manager. The caveat to all this is kind of the situation we're in. <laughs> David Stearns takes over. He wants his own manager. I don't know who the Red Sox are going to hire to run their team, but is it possible the guy who comes in says, sorry, Alex, we want to move on, despite you being a manager who's won a world championship. I guess that's possible. He would move towards the top of my list. I would still have Craig Council as being the number one guy, which I know may sound weird since Cora's one and Council hasn't, but I do like the symmetry. The fact that Stearns has worked with him, we know they have a good relationship, kind of reminds me of the Joe Shane, Brian Dable thing with the Giants. But if Cora's available, yeah, he's 1B after 1A. Right now, I look at these candidates, and I think there's only one. You know, I, I mentioned the other day, I like Gabe Kapler. I like Joe Girardi. There are guys I like. Certainly, there's first-timers that I'd be willing to give a shot to, though I prefer a manager who has experience. Craig Council, to me, is the, is the obvious one. And I think it will end that way. I do. 
I have confidence that it will end with Craig Council managing this team. We appreciate the emails. You can email the pod anytime during this long, arduous offseason, the Rico B at gmail.com. Any thoughts from the David Stearns press conference? Of course, you can email us, the Rico B at gmail.com. We got more pods coming up this week. We have our Reuters guide to the postseason. I'm very excited about this. My opinions on who to root for. We go through the players we should root for. And of course, the players and teams we should root against. The reason why the exit interview of the 2023 Mets season will be posted over the weekend, and I wanted to give it time, is I wanted to let the death of the season marinate. A couple of days without the Mets, a couple of days of watching other teams, and then we put our heads together about what the hell went wrong with the 2023 Mets. So that is something to look forward to coming up over the weekend. We appreciate you listening and downloading another edition of Rico Bro. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.